Justin Bieber, it's time. Retire, it's time. It's time. We'll be done. <laughs> Wait, who? Go. Who needs like, to retire? Please. Justin, B- Justin Bieber, it's over. I don't care how old you are. Go. He's 25, you know. Else, you know. <laughs> I don't care. Retire. <laughs> like, it's done. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. You are here today with your host Eats McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Chopper. And it has been an eventful week as always. A lot of music has come out this week. How is everyone doing? Um, I'm good. Like, I don't know how, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if I feel happy or just cool. So I'm just going to say cool for now. Um, this week's been okay. Like it rained a little bit earlier, which has cooled the temperature down significantly, which is cool. And then the wind. So yeah, because it was very humid earlier this week. Obviously, we would have just been coming back from a bank holiday weekend when you guys will hear this. So yeah, great weekend, hopefully, that's happened. But yeah, interesting week musically, which we'll get into a bit later. How's everyone else? I'm still here. And um, I would just like to know why people are leaving their house. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Maybe you should ask Boris that, because Boris said that we could link up with a few amount of people, even though I'm not doing that, but... He actually didn't say that. He just said we could have a limited exercise in the park. That's he what said, he said. He said you can see your mum, but you can't see your dad. You can link up with one other person <laughs> from another household. <laughs> you know how funny that is? He said you can see your mum, but you can't see your dad. <laughs> Sorry, I just found this whole speech because I don't watch the news anymore. I've made it like a priority not to watch the news. If it comes on, I leave the room or if like I get a notification, I leave the like my phone down somewhere or I just don't interact with it anymore because it's all just nonsense. But yeah, in terms of how I am, I'm in a weird space, which I'm trying to kind of get out of. I won't say I'm happy like Nick said. I won't say that I'm necessarily um, good, but I'm in a space of like just absorbing emotions and kind of being in the moment at the moment um so that involves a lot of meditation a lot of reading um i'm currently enjoying natives by akala um and if you are from the us or outside of the uk akala is a british rapper and he is incredible he talks a lot about black history um he's of mixed heritage and the younger brother of um famous musician miss dynamite so yeah, I've been reading that, like doing a lot of internal work, um, a lot of reading, a lot of meditating, a lot of listening to like um, transient music. And I've been in a good space, really. I can't really complain. I will say, just because I, I'm not going to say in the listens, but I did release the first episode of my podcast, And With Tech, um, which featured an episode with um, the founder of Allo Bud, and they go by the name of Amber Disco. So if you want to check that out, I really appreciate that. This Nothing's changing here, by the way. This is still our baby, um, but tech is a love that I've wanted to chase for the longest time. And obviously being in quarantine, I've had the opportunity to. But yeah, like we're here now, we're back. Been another week and we're going to go into the music section. So Shope, do your thing. So... I have no listens this week. It's been a very interesting week. I've just kind of literally had uh, no real desire to listen to anything new, which is quite strange and odd to say, considering there's plentiful and bountiful options. But maybe that's exactly why I think more than more than ever, I think this week I literally just didn't know where to go. Because I usually kind of would like to go by what my spirit leads me to or what 
naturally comes to me. But I just literally, there was nothing that, I was like, you know what, I really want to get into that this week. I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, am I really in the mood for that? So I listened to like a bunch of random things, but I, I just wasn't really in anything. But on a side note, I would like to say I've been really enjoying these um, IG Live interviews um, and IG Live conversations. That's been cool. Um, I watched uh, Kerry Hilson and Jonte Austin. That was a good discussion. I watched Rodney Jerkins and Brian Michael Cox. I uh, watched a tweet, did an interview with Vibe magazine. That was cool. So if there's anything I'm going to recommend, I guess it's when your favourite artists are on IG Live. They're actually quite interesting. I know everyone's going on live and it's kind of a bit jarring, but some of them actually are really interesting. In fact, even, I, this is probably my favourite of the week, my highlight, Elvana went on live with her um, two days ago. And and just to say, so did Leanne Le Havas as well. Yes. So her has been doing this Girls of Guitar series, which I really, really, really love. I've really been enjoying it. She did one with Chloe and Halley as well like a month ago. But Elvana was there two days ago. They had an amazing discussion about um, her career, what she's coming up with, what's next for her. They played the guitar and sang it together. They sounded beautiful together. And I just like, I just really can't wait for Elvana to give me a good project because the last one wasn't it. <laughs> but um, it's nice to see Elle, it's nice to see her embrace someone like Elle because obviously her is, you know, considerably much bigger at this in the, at this present time and it kind of unfortunately fell off for a number of reasons label politics and all that jazz but it was us nice to see them together and l kind of sorry her just to give l that reverence you, you know to an elder her elder in r&b and yeah they just had a, a great banter together great conversation nice to hear them sing together it sounded really well together which is quite strange because their voices and tones are very different but it worked and Someone tweeted this, and I want to say it too, that I don't want these things to just be IG Live. So when lockdown does end, I would like Elle and her to get in studio together, you know, give me a nice little Tracy Chapman-esque vibe or Regina Spector-esque kind of vibe, because I feel like they have that within them, or even just her write a song for Elle or vice versa. So I want these to come out with something. And Kerry and Jonte Austin, like, I need them, I need Jonte to write a song for Kerry. Um, yeah, so that's been... My vibe. So yeah, I just don't know about new music anymore, which is kind of strange and kind of sad to say. But yeah. Personally, before Eden goes, I think it's fine. Like this, I think people are just getting really bogged down with trying to make things normal. We're not in a normal situation. Like it's absolutely fine to take a break and sit back and be like, you know what? This week is going to be a week where I don't absorb. This week is going to be a week where you sat down and watched IG Lives and enjoyed that space. So I'd say don't beat yourself up about it. It will come to you, your mind, we're humans. It's always going to reform and reshape how me and Eden said we don't feel happy or sad or whatever. We're just absorbing and getting into the space of it. Same way with how our music consumption will, will be. I personally didn't listen to a lot of releases this week either, which I'll get into later. But yeah, don't beat yourself up about it. It's very normal to be different in this time and for things to change and not be so linear. But yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with um, what Nick said. I was actually going to ask Chope, um why he thinks that he's in that space because um, similar to Chope, I do have listens, but it came towards the end of the week because I found that music was quite overstimulating um, because of the option of choice, because there were so many things to decide from. And um, music is a mood enhancer. We have to remember that. Like sometimes we're sitting in a space and um, we listen to a song that reminds us of different places, different events that we've experienced. And 
that can be quite traumatic when um, you can't do certain things, you can't see certain people. So yeah, I was going to ask Shop is, do you feel like it's music is just too much at the moment, or what? What's your reasoning for that? Um, yeah, I mean that's a common thread we've had these last year and a half. Like, music is just too much, but I kind of just feel that because I have so me being me, very organized. I actually have like a list in my a draft in my email where it literally has every album and every mixtape and every new artist I wanted to check out for like the last two years. And I just literally just add to it. I just add to it. I just add to it. And then I literally, at the beginning of every week, like, hmm, what do I feel in the mood for? And to be um, transparent, I wanted to really get into uh, Nick Hakim's new album. I wanted to get into Mahalia's EP properly. And I wanted to get into Buddy's mixtape of Ken Jams. Because when Nick brought it up, I mentioned that I had heard it a few times, but I hadn't really taken it in properly. And I love Buddy, so I was like, let me give it the proper due diligence this week. But... I listened to all of them at one point or another, but I just wasn't in it. I just was just like, it just, it just wasn't really taking over me. It just was kind of like, oh yeah, it just didn't really do anything for me. Not because they sounded bad or anything, but I just wasn't in the space to really receive or enjoy it. And even just even old stuff, really like, so even like you know this week was you know a lot of teen anniversaries. So Janelle Monae's Arc Android. Nasa's Distant Relatives with Damien Marley, Khaleesi's Flesh Tone, all albums that I love, turns 10 this week. And I thought, let me actually get into these and enjoy these. And I, even those, I just was like, nah, I'm not really the mood. And I love those albums, like Distant Relatives, The Arc Android, they, Flesh Tone, they were very much very important to me when they, when they came out. I loved those albums. And it was kind of like mad to think that, wow, I was 15 years old. I have so many memories, especially with Janelle and nasty with Molly's album I was like wow because I literally was having like memories like I literally remember that summer me and my brother played the shit out of Distant Relatives when that came out we loved that album Mm. but I just wasn't in the mood I just wasn't really in it then people were like sending me oh shop listen to this have you heard this Uh, this, this." and I was just like meh (laughs) meh And also, I think I think I'm also just struggling to focus. No, I can totally relate to that. And a friend of mine actually sent me an article about this about how coronavirus is actually um, imp- uh, affecting everyone's will of focus. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. But I do think I'm going to have to read it over this weekend because I want to read the science behind it. Because I just kind of feel like, even with books, Eden, as Eden knows, I'm reading a little life at the moment, and that's obviously um, a big uh, Goliath of a book. Trauma fest. Goliath of a book. So, like, it's 700 pages, I'm 350 pages in, and to, to be nice about it, nothing's really happened. <laughs> well, and, and, boy. And this is the thing, Eden has said, and so has my other friends, that, trust me, just be patient, it's coming. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> you see, okay, I'm just going to set a prediction, yeah? When Chopé is about two or 300 pages into that book, boy, you're going to hear him explain how wrong he was like about how nothing no i am i'm i'm on 350 really yeah okay keep reading like, honestly i know it's gonna sound ridiculous but keep reading it's pff, boy i can't even explain how that book makes people feel makes them think um about the smallest thing no i've i've seen i i like my friend shout out to my friend maxine she's like trust me it's the last 150 pages yeah. like the last 150 yeah. and just to set the scene for listening uh a Little Life, It's a Little Life by um, Yana, I can't remember her last name. Hanya 
Yonagahera. Yeah, I can't pronounce it. it. Um, but just to kind of set the scene for some people, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Alex from Talk That um, Time to Talk. Sorry. And he said he was reading it on the train once and some old man came up to him and like patted his arm and was like, <laughs> you're about to go through a roller coaster. Um, so just just keep that in mind when you think about how traumatic this book is, because it is honestly scary. Um, some of the some of the themes in there. And I can see that. And I, I can see it like I've texted Alex, I've texted you and my other friends um, that I've read it. I've said, oh. So this character, and they're like, yeah, I know. Or JB's a dickhead. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's, it's it's a whirlwind. Um, but in terms of like what you said about the emotions of when like listening to music and kind of like not being in the mood for it, I th- honestly think that's why people weren't receiving Kehlani's album that well. And it's interesting that we're having this conversation about kind of the attention span when it comes to music. So. Um, I'm going to use that as a segue into what I've been listening to. So um, I actually listened to Kehlani's album. And whilst I do enjoy it and I do think it's a nice project to listen to, um, actually nice is an awful word. It's it's a very comforting listen. I understand, like I said last week, why some people don't like it. And my understanding of it is because it's too, it, it creates too much of a mood that you can't do anything with right now. Um, you need to kind of be around you need to be able to have access to people to listen to this album, in my opinion. It's very sensual. It's very ambient. Like, you'll be able to sit in a room and it will make you think of people whilst it's playing. Like, if you listen to songs like Toxic, that might remind you of, like, a past relationship. Um, and there's some other songs on there where she talks quite freely about, like, love and some some ups and some downs and all those types of things. Um, and I, when I was sitting there, I was like, I completely understand it. Um, I also understand the uh, the argument about how mid it is in terms of tempo. Um, it is, like I said last week, one very, very long song. Like you're just sitting down and I can't tell you the names of the individual songs on this project. I just know that the sound, I know what it is. Um, I, it's, a very, it's very hard to explain, but it's a very, very, I, I'm going to use the word ambient again. It's a very ambient type of sound. But like Shopee, I wasn't in a space to listen to music whatsoever. And it's partly linked to the fact that there's too many things going on at the moment. There's You have to pay attention to way too many things, whether it's the news, whether it's relatives and friends. If you're reading at the moment, reading books, listening to music, everyone's kind of trying to overindulge in some of their um, poisons so that they can kind of ignore what's going on in the wider world. At least that's my opinion and how I kind of operate. So I, I do understand, like, it, there might be some listeners who are currently listening to this podcast who might feel the same way. And actually, interestingly enough, I don't mind putting out the podcast out there, but I have noticed some people have kind of trailed off it at the moment. And I've had a conversation with a few people about podcasts and how they're not tuning into podcasts. Um, I believe there was an article about how people aren't really absorbing podcasts at the moment. And even though I'm a podcaster, I completely understand why people are doing that. I understand why people might have to put the episode down especially for like an hour and a half um like it is time like we are kind of like monopolizing our time and trying to understand how we can best spend it so yeah that was my first listen it's Kehlani and like I explained um I do like the project it's something you need to sit with and have access to people with as well so if you're alone by yourself or can't kind of reach out to someone because of social distancing or whatever you might not like this album and it might be for that reason and also, sorry, on a separate note, slight tangent, um, it's going to sound quite random. I was listening to Mostly Lit this week. I'll be surprised if you don't know about Mostly Lit. It was one of the 
biggest UK podcast in the UK. Um, it was a book podcast hosted by um, our close friend, um, Alex Reed, um, Ray and um, Derek. And it was like a literary podcast, but I was sitting down and listening to it and I was just like, we have to give praise to like the earlier scenes of like the podcast industry in the UK because before like this may seem really random by the way but I think it's important that we kind of honor people who came into this before we did the podcast industry in the UK has changed so much that it's allowed us to have a space and talk about music so comfortably um so mostly lit is one of my listens this week I'm going to say that I really enjoyed that podcast and I would recommend you either listen to it or like listen to um, time to talk if you aren't in the mood to listen to music and you just want to have conversations and with people that are very comfortable people to listen to and the structure is amazing um so mostly lit is one of my listens this week next i'm gonna go into jacob latimore now that might seem like a really random listen um jacob latimore for people who don't know is uh he used to make r&b music he's more of an actor now Um, he does release music here and there but he has starred in a few movies um, he had a YouTube channel, which I used to follow. Like, it's one of those people that I used to follow on YouTube all the time. And he's on a show that me and Nick love, The Shy, season three, coming next month. Oh, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> but, but yeah, he posted like, he posted like seven or eight videos on YouTube. So my YouTube feed was just full of like ambient vi- like pictures of like Jacob Lattimore, with like a yellow background, a blue background and red and all these types of things. So I clicked on one of the songs and the song was, um, what's it called again? Uh, live what you say and it's featuring Tony Romitti um, and I was just like this actually isn't that bad like I remember I used to like one or two songs from late, that Jacob Lattimore from like his projects like I didn't really like his music like that um, and shout out to Smooth Fuego by the way because he shouted him out at the end of season three I want to say saying he would have been much bigger if people were like paying attention to young stars still but I listened to this project and I was just like I was just like, nah. I was just like, like he has some good songs on there, but just to kind of set the background for the whole project, it's 33 songs long. It's an hour and 52 minutes long. 35 songs long, sorry. And I'm just like, that's exactly my thoughts. I was just like, what is going on? Why is it so long? Um, The songs aren't even short either. They're kind of like three to four minutes. And... I couldn't really sit with it. I couldn't really vibe with it. So I just wanted to bring it to the podcast today because I know we talk about a lot of listens and at some point it kind of transitioned into recommendations. But in terms of like listening at the moment, I've been trying to take in this like Jacob Lattimore project for a while and it's just not sitting with me whatsoever. And it's not because it's not because the music is bad. It's just because it's there's too many options. There's just way too many options. I don't know how to say, sit here and say, I like this project. It seems like there's about... 10 different vibes to it so it's very hard for me to say that um so c3 is something i listened to this week by jacob Lattimore. feel free to take a listen if you want and maybe we can have a discussion about it last and not least so alex isley is joy is just incredible and and whilst i was listening to um some of hers interviews and what i like to call the beige singers um, Leanne Le Havas, LMA, um, Mahalia, and um, who else was it? Oh, Elvana. I searched on YouTube for Alex Isley, and surprisingly, she had just done an at-home session with Tiny Desk. Yeah, NPR Tiny Desk. Um, and she sang about him, which UK folk, you might recognize that song, because Stormzy remixed it for My Jammer's Birthday. 
um, called Birthday. Wait, no, 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 wait, hold on. No, he made a remix to it, but it wasn't that song. He made a remix to about him um, for Maya Jama. It wasn't um, Birthday Girl. So yeah, Alex Isley. And it's literally exactly what I needed. It is five songs in length, 22 minutes, has one feature, which is Sir, by the way. That song is incredible. And I don't know how to describe how beautiful this project is. Like the best way to describe Alex Isley is her so- her music is very expensive. Um, and what I mean by that is the sounds are very rich. Like you can sit down and like listen to her and there's so many instruments that she blends her voice with um, where you're able to just sit there and be like, wow, this is an experience more so than just listening to music. Um, and although it is only five songs long, it does feel much longer than that. But you're okay with that because the vibe is continuous. It's It's not something that you feel like was overdone and it's part two of um two two projects it's called the beauty of everything part two um it came out in 2019 so may 3rd 2019 and i i'm just loving it i'm seriously loving it i'm sitting down listening to it whilst i'm list whilst i'm reading um akala's book and it's just something that can sit with me in my moments um so i would definitely recommend that to anyone who might feel a bit overwhelmed by music at the moment and want something that they can kind of vibe with and enjoy. Um, so yeah, Alex Isley, The Beauty of Everything Part 2. And those are my listens this week. So if you guys have any recommendations for anything we should listen to, um, send it to us at datspod, so D-A-T-S-P-O-D, Instagram, Twitter, Vero, anywhere you can find it, find us, sorry, and we'll be more than happy to take a listen or give some feedback about it, whatever. Cool, that's me. Cool. Um, so I will start with um, the UK. I listened to Flo Hayo, so she released a new visual via YouTube called Snub, which I really love. I think the visual is incredible in terms of like just how creative it is. Like she's obviously in a car, fisheye lens. Um, I believe she's on like an estate in London. Don't know the exact area. But it was directed by Ethan Barrett and Tom Gullum, I believe. But yeah, sponsored by YouTube Music. Yeah, she's just riding around the streets. Lyrically, always been amazing. She kind of has a good way with punchy kind of end bars. Like at the end of her bar, she's quite punchy, quite fun, quite energetic as well. I think she just kind of, she knows that she's got the pen, but she doesn't have to necessarily be so aggressive. Like it comes across as so relaxed, so chilled, like if you're chilling in the garden like just at a barbecue laid back like that kind of vibe but it still hits like it still hits you'll be like oh okay like she can spit like there's something about her and I think her cadence is really kind of unique in my opinion and I think she's she's got something like she knows she's got that Nigerian confidence background is obviously Nigerian as well so British Nigerian and um yeah she's definitely she just knows she's very aware she's kind of got that little sims feel from personality in terms of like she knows that she can spit she knows that she's arrived or here uh and she definitely knows that she knows her her lane in terms of a rapper she doesn't have to like use gimmicks or use like chains and all that kind of stuff like the likes of the baby would use to kind of get across her message in, in that sense i think it's really diy grassroots um so yeah, this is Snob. I, re- I really like the visual as well. Really good visual. Um, and I'm glad that she's being backed by YouTube Music because she's, she's very talented. She's had songs released about a year ago, such as 10 More Rounds and then Wild You. So yeah, she's, she's definitely for the streets, 
for that kind of vibe people who like um conventional hip-hop and stuff definitely you'll, you'll fuck with her if you like little sims you'll definitely get into her and like that the second artist i will talk about is from the uk as well producer grammy award-winning i believe has worked with the likes of her khalid etc this is scripts riley who's having a moment right now um he released a song with heady one yesterday which JP Joseph Patterson described as R and drill, which is an emerging um subset of drill. I know I feel like it's moving so fast drill right now and every everything's going on with it. But yeah, there is an R and B meld with it that's happening. There's loads of artists dabbling in that space. And Scribbs Riley actually self-produced the song. So um yeah, he's a producer first and foremost, worked with the likes of her, Khalid, etc., Grammy Award winner. And now via Sony, he's launched his own career. Um, he's been around for years doing stuff on SoundCloud, all of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think Eden and I mentioned Eastside before, kind of like two or three weeks ago since we've been back on as a song that's just really great. Um, in terms of Impress Me, this just builds up upon that kind of success. Still sounds quite... Um, it still has his sound in there. It's still quite melodic um, in terms of uh, how he's approaching music and how he's approaching his own sound. Heady One pretty much dominates three quarters of this song, by the way. Um, Heady One is incredible. Someone we know is obviously working with him. Don't know if he wants it to be mentioned or not, but it's incredible what's going on. But yeah, no, I just, I love Heady One's trajectory. And if anyone is going to take this drill sound to the next level, he's definitely going to be a part of that. The likes of Pounds as well. Obviously we've had his manager on the show, Steph. Um, yeah, so UK Drill's doing incredible right now. There's commercially viable acts. Um, and I think if Scribbs, uh, Riley like works with this Iron Drill sound, he'll definitely be a pioneer because he's producing it as well, which is super incredible. And I just want to say on a production level, he sounds, he, the way he masters it, the way he kind of produces, the way it sounds, like he, he's just mastered it. Like it sounds so radio ready and that, that shouldn't be the aim, obviously, but it's just a reason why I think he can cross over um, in the next couple of years. Obviously, it's a slow burner. Drill still needs to get to that level in terms of there's a there's a way to go in terms of mainstream and commercially and charting and all that kind of stuff. But you know, people are starting to make things happen. So, um, and Pop Smoke did it last year. So, you know, we're going we're going to see a big move uh, across this, the states in here in the next couple of years. But love this song. Love Heady's. Heady's really got lyrics um, above all. Um, one thing that is different about UK drill to US drill um, or Brooklyn drill, should I say? is the fact that the UK uh, are more lyrically charged. And I know this because I spoke to a producer and he said when he was in Brooklyn, um, they were actually more about parties and vibes, like Pop Smoke, you know, obviously that vibe is how the whole, or pretty much a lot of Brooklyn and New York are with the drill scene. But over here, it's very much like, we've got to get those lyrics right. We've got to try and do that punch, punchy. At the end of the, the line, it has to smack, has to smash, um, regardless of what they're talking about. But yeah, I love Scribs, love what he's doing, love him as a producer, love him as a, a front of house artist as well. Love his visuals too, like Eastside, you need to go and watch that visual, incredible, like one of the best UK visuals I've seen this year. Just the technology behind it is just phenomenal, I love what he's doing um, and I just think he's really, again, I used the word before, but really a grassroots kind of act and I, I, love, I love what he's doing. So that's the second one and then the last one I'm going to go into 
is... Can I just tag on to um, Scrib Riley quickly? Go for it. Um, I just want to kind of give a background to who Scrib Riley is, because whilst you were talking, I actually researched a bit of him, um, and I researched some some before as well. I did not know that he was the brother of um, Talay Riley. Yes, sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah, yeah, he is. Which is incredible, right? Yeah, I did not know that. Um, so, listeners, you might not know, Talay Riley was a um, UK... Uh, singer-songwriter who released a few songs a few years ago and he kind of just I think he was mostly a songwriter at the moment yeah um but also some more like background to who he is I didn't know he he co-wrote um Ring you know Cardi B and Kehlani yeah um Lights On for her um Free Spirit for Khalid and he's a Grammy award-winning writer so I just didn't know that but yeah I just thought I'd throw that in there yeah no 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 um weirdly enough like his press comes through so I saw I read that the other day and I was like oh shit like he's actually because I knew him on SoundCloud and I didn't know he'd done all of that so it's just incredible to there's so many people writing like writing is a a big financial stronghold for a lot of these artists like Jesse Joe spoken about it Kerry Hilson still making paper off of that shit like it's a huge viable market and so many people who you don't even know are in the background doing that stuff and while we're here I just need to shout out one of the guests that was on our show, Kadiata was in Insecure. Two of his songs were there. And so was Mira May. So incredible, incredible, incredible to um, the UK. I'm loving, I'm loving, I'm loving the cross collaborations. Um, I, I just can't wait for us to keep happening. This is the decade. I just feel it. There's going to be huge successes across the pond and just it, more international um, success, whatever the region. But yeah, shout out to him. Let's move on to my last listen. Yeah, so the last listen that I've got is um, a rapper from the States. Her name is Baby Mother. She's worked with the likes of Young Baby Tate, who I've spoken about before. She resides and was born in Tennessee. And yeah, she's just, her real name is Brittany Moore. And I'm just super excited for her. This is a project that is old. It's two years old to be precise. And it is called The Bastard Tapes Volume 1. Now this woman, she has an incredible, incredible cadence, like super unique, super like low in bass, like her voice. She's just incredible. Like as soon as she enters a song, you'll know her voice once you've started to listen to her. Um, she does not give a fuck what she says on the song. She's reckless. She's candid about every subject matter there is in life. She knows these. Sh- she's the shit. And that is what I love about her. Like as soon as she brings the presence, you just know she's about to she is about to spit a storm this tape in particular is i believe six songs long she basically wrote pretty much everything except for the features on there she's very diy in terms of how she does things rock floyd is the producer across pretty much the whole tape and i just love the particular song called t-m-o-t on there she's just talking about how she is that melanated queen she's um dominating these guys guys need to get off her back and she does an f of lames of phonies all that kind of stuff the beats are super hard knocking in terms of trap and just conventional hip-hop as well heavy bass in there as well i just i just need you guys to listen to her because she is she's the future for me she she's the future she gives me like strong like in terms of having that unique cadence like malibu mitch i've spoken about her before 
even you know like in terms of cadence Nicki Minaj has a very individualistic cadence too so I'd say even Nicki Minaj in terms of that when you hear Nicki you know it's Nicki just the same way when you hear baby mother you'll know it's baby mother again as we've spoken about like for the whole of the podcast pretty much there's a moment happening right now for women in rap hope it continues hope the door opens for artists such as baby mother who is just super unique man like I'm really rooting for her and she's got a load of other tapes I think she's got the Buster tapes two out as well she's got another tape that she released this year get into her honestly incredible act yeah let's move into some news though because there is a lot on the agenda for this week So, moving into the news for the week, let's start with the BET Awards. So, mid this week, so on Wednesday to be precise, it was announced that BET will be moving forward with the 2020 edition of their celebration and award show. Um, This will be done virtually though. So, this will be on June 28th, which is a Sunday and will involve innovative techniques and artist-generated content. This was revealed, yeah, three days ago. So the BET experience, which usually runs up to this whole BET affair, which usually takes place in Los Angeles, is being called off, obviously due to COVID-19, people being next to each other, all those measures, um, and will return in 2021. The refunds for this event are available with the cancellation, of course. Nominations will be announced at a later date in the run-up to these award shows. Um, Overseeing this whole awards process for this year is um, Connie Orlando, um, Music Programming, Jesse Collins, um, the CEO of Jesse Collins Entertainment, um, etc etc um, so the BET Awards are a seminal event the biggest celebration of black culture accomplishment excellence um, and potential said Scott Mills the president of BET and he said our community and the many millions who love black culture look to the BET Awards for signature moments and enrichment entertainment and empowerment recognizing this unique role the BET Awards plays for so many people and the challenging times we find ourselves in, we know it will be, um, it was, sorry, more important than ever to still deliver the BET Awards in 2020. So yeah, basically this is still going ahead. Um, obviously they consider the health and safety of their attendees, staff, vendors. And as we know, as we reported earlier on, since we've come back on um, an air for you guys, that uh, the events industry has taken a toll biggest form of kind of social connection uh it's as an industry so yeah this is their measure to kind of fight back against that so what do you guys think of this um virtual award shows uh and virtual award shows more broadly because so many things are going on i know youtube are doing a presidential thing like to celebrate the graduates of this year and all of that kind of stuff what do you guys think of the virtual experience to combat covid19 um, so when this news came out, I actually completely forgot all about award shows. I actually could be like, oh yeah, those are a thing that happen every year. I, com- <laughs> I completely even forgot, oh yeah, the BT Awards, the VMAs, the Billboard Awards, those were all coming up in the next, I completely forgot about how this would affect award shows. Mm. And, um, so my first thought was, I am, I'm glad that they're still going ahead with the show and, you know you know, um, being solution-oriented and trying to figure out a way to even do it under these 
grave and unprecedented circumstances. However, I am worried <laughs> about how this will be done and how this will be carried out and how this will be um, executed. Yeah. Because as we've seen with the various versus battles and just general IG Live and digital things, uh, you know, there's a lot of technical difficulties. And it's one thing when it's like just, you know, a closed audience with two people, but like an award show. So anything like that on a grand scale that can go wrong will just be very embarrassing to a network like BT because this year will be their 40th year in existence and the 19th year of the BT Awards themselves. I just, yeah, so like, all, I, I wish them the best and I will be tuning in for this. Um, I enjoy the BT Awards every year. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just very, a bit sketchy. Like if something goes wrong with like an award or a performance, like for example, let's say Cardi B is performing and it, it just glitches. You will have like what, 60 million people just watching a glitch. I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's still too early in the post-corona world. <laughs> well, not post-corona, but I mean, I guess in terms of how music industry reacts, I feel like it's still, still too early to do something like that okay. but you know kudos to them for even pushing ahead anyway yeah. isn't like a glitch equivalent to like a stage malfunction or something anyway so i mean although i would be worried about that it is kind of similar in a way yeah um i just i i'm i'm happy that they're adapting to the situation because a lot of people would have just packed it in and given up um and the budget will probably be much smaller this year um much much smaller I'm actually just interested in who will actually turn up and what their excuses will be if they don't. Um, you can't use the excuse of, oh, I'll be in France for the weekend or I'll be in the UK during this time. Literally, the internet You're is all worldwide. At You're at home. Why aren't you at the they event? They can say that um, I'm on live with my audience, you know, doing a concert yeah, exactly. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's jokes because like, cele like celebrities will know how we feel now when we get that message to be on live at a certain time and there's no excuse, we've got to figure out how to kind of avoid it. Um, so I'm interested to see how people that routinely miss the BET Awards, what they're going to say. Um, but yeah, like, and I hope it's not like a recorded response when they win the award, because that'll just be like, why can't you just record for literally five minutes to just say thank you for the award? Why are you in a suit in oh. the Bahamas <laughs> saying thank you? Um, but yeah, I think... What I hope happens is I hope they like send performers to like record their actual show like on the stage and everything. Um, so they actually gi actually give us like an actual performance, obviously without a crowd. Um, and then like I don't know how they're gonna do audiences and like people in the crowd and like interacting with people. I did like what they were doing with the um, COVID special. Yeah. So um, the COVID special hosted by um, Anthony Mackie, I think. Not Anthony Mackie. What's his name again? Anthony um, Anderson. The guy from Grownish. We don't watch Grownish in this house. Blackish. Blackish, sorry. Blackish, my bad. Um, so yeah, he hosted it and so did Kelly um, Rowland and um, they kind of had performances, like fun performances from like Charlie Wilson. Chili is not the only one who appreciates... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> What's happening? What's going on? <laughs> Wait, what, what's happening? <laughs> Whose computer is that? That was me. That That's was an accident. Me. Sorry, guys. Oh, okay. okay. I was like, is, <laughs> is my ads playing? Because I want articles and stuff. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I'll just restart. So they did have performances um, on the COVID edition, um, like the special series that they had with Kelly Rowland, 
um, and like the performance was by Charlie Wilson and a few other people. Um, and it actually was quite entertaining. It obviously was very low budget. It was done in his back garden. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do with a bit more budget and where they go with this. But it does kind of show that people are going to have to adapt to what's going on currently. There's going to have to be a lot of sacrifices and we're going to have to kind of look back at um, the past in a nostalgic way and accept what we've got at the moment. And hopefully they improve. Um, I'm hoping as technology evolves, we'll be able to do things like tune in via VR and all these types of things. But my brain just goes that far for some reason. Um, but yeah, all the best to them. Hopefully it's good. I won't be tuning in most likely. I don't like award shows. Um, I don't really watch award shows. But yeah, let me know how it goes, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to tune in or not because I haven't just broadly like you guys who've been regularly regularly listening in have known just my sentiments towards award shows. Obviously, I still watch the performances, all that kind of jazz. Um, if, say, like an artist I'm enjoying sits down and does a performance or stands up, should I say, what? Um, but, yeah, this year, I'm glad they're kind of tackling it, interested to see how it will function. I'll read articles. I might tune in for, like, five, ten minutes just because it's a new phenomenon. But, yeah, like, it's super interesting to just see how this is going to work. I think there will be grace given for, like, slight delays or, like, malfunctions and stuff just because I've seen it happen on live before. Like, oh, you're now going live with X person and then they have to come back on or, like, whatever, and then technology and stuff. Like, there's been so many even shows in the UK, like, good morning shows and women's chat shows and stuff like that who have adapted to a at-home template uh, mo the comedian channel four gave him a nice little slot for his own show as well mtv lockdown laughs something i know about fire other work i do but yeah they're doing um their own special in terms of lockdown so i think grace will be given if there's like slight minimal menial things that happen but yeah like it's just gonna be super interesting how people will perform in their house i was actually thinking about this when um eden was speaking and i thought they could use what Tory Lane has done with YouTube, their partnership, because I know that there's a studio that YouTube used for um, Tory's at-home concert-style thing, which actually looked really realistic. Like, it looked like a, a staging was there and all that kind of stuff. So I think if they partner up with certain people, like maybe if there are some New York talents performing and stuff, or LA, like, they have YouTube studios everywhere, if they can have the setup right and social distancing's done all right, like one in, one out and stuff, or if it's pre-recorded or something like that, they could figure it out to make it at least look aesthetically pleasing when people are performing and more engaging and exciting and like the lighting and Tori's concert thing looked good too. So yeah, I think they could they could definitely partner up with infrastructures and systems that already have the staging and the social distancing measures in place because we know artists are moving around you guys aren't we're not dumb you know we know you're going to studios now we know you're going to record we know you're linking up so if you can do it safely one in one out two in two out like meters apart or something they, they can make it look at least a bit engaging for the performance aspects of things but um a lot of work a lot of bureaucracy a lot of emails a lot of phone calls a lot of skype i'm sure they're on not skype like whatever the equivalents are now, Zoom, what we're using now, Teams, etc. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out, I'm sure. But yeah, I, d I just don't know how the energy is going to be the same. Well, it won't be the same, but kudos for them to go and be going out the gate first with this kind of award show thing uh, format. And yeah, I just, yeah, I, I wish, I actually wish them the best of luck. Hopefully they can make it work 
and hope no glitches where the awards come to come to play hope there's no like malfunctions or anything like that but yeah interesting that they've decided to press ahead yeah i want to see what happens i'm i'm quite intrigued actually yeah it's it's, it's the first of its kind every every it's always about like who does it first and then who does it better so if there's any lessons if people decide to then come forward with anything else afterwards it, it, it will be interesting okay so yeah we have to go back to talking to this person or about this person um <laughs> yeah um takashi 69 cool so billboard takashi 69 scooter braun ariana grande Justin Bieber, people I don't like, just people I don't like all across. But um, let's talk about these people. Nick is already over this topic. Let's talk about it. So, Kay Takashi is out of prison, as we know, um, and he has released a song. Which I still haven't heard. Gooba. Gooba. I've only heard Vice snippets on my timeline, not giving him views. But yeah, um, Takashi released Gooba about on May 9th or May 8th, sorry, and then the visual came a day after his first post-prison song. Obviously, he's a clout chaser, so he has been monitoring with arsenicers such as academics as well, posting every moves that he's doing on the charts, Spotify's, etc. etc. So he was competing obviously with Doja, Megan, etc. for the second week of number one, whatever, and he was in the running. For that top five placement which he still secured we'll get to that later but Gooba yeah Gooba was in the race now last week or the, let's say the week before last because we've gone we've gone a week before but um Gooba was in the running you know top two top three it was it was gonna it was gonna be there it still got there but another song came into the way last minute okay now this song is the song we're talking about with justin bieber and ariana grande called stuck with you and there was sixty thousand units submitted at the last second which was thursday of not last week to listeners but the week before yeah so that thursday sixty thousand units which entered in at the last second now takashi went on live and he basically said that these were not disclosed where the sources came from the vendors the credit cards etc labels were doing audits so universal and sony takashi said were doing audits to kind of get this where did this mysterious figure come from how did ariana and justin bieber get here now because they're suddenly in the top two to get to number one basically and um, have overtaken his step so he got annoyed he went on live people believed it people were interested i was i was even a bit like huh let's let's see what happens with the story i was like let's let it develop first so the week came on ariana and justin secured doja obviously got knocked off the, the spot but she's obviously still secured her number one and takashi debuted at number three now, in this whole backlash, um, after this, I'm not going to read full statements, but I'm going to paraphrase. Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber have defended themselves against the claims that this was forged, this was fake, this was phony numbers. Yeah, and basically they were just being given a lot of pressure. So they waited for it to come out, get number one, and then clarified their statement. Billboard also responded and Scooter Braun also responded. Um, Grande in particular said, 
I ask you to take a moment to humble yourself, called his accusations out as a lie. Justin Bieber doubled down on this, saying that he needs to call him out if he's going to call Ariana out <laughs> in the claims. Basically just Big Bad Wolf saying, you know, you need to call me out too. Billboard actually posted an article saying it's calculations in this week's race for the Hot 100 number one. This is dated on the 18th of May. So if you want to go read the full thing, you can. But um, they basically broke it down and broke down the controversy. And the they broke down the total stream count for Gooba, which was 55.3 million combined audio and video US streams for Gooba. Um, which were taken in by Nielsen Music, who compile and help get this tally up on the charts. And they clarified that 6ix9ine's claims that not all of his streams were properly counted. Um, they clarified that they were. And yeah, they said neither do the stream counts that services make available to content owners, including 6ix9ine and his team, directly through a proprietary data feed or dashboard so they're basically saying that the figures reported by 6ix9ine and his team were not taken through the correct measures and therefore do not count in terms of what he's specifying the claims were it gets really technical in here so i'm really not going to confuse listeners with all of this but basically they accounted for every kind of claim that 6ix9ine had mentioned the 24-hour sell spike with Stuck With You alleged by 6ix9ine in the video. So what we were talking about earlier, those 60,000 streams. So they said on this, which is not so technical, so I'll read it to you. Stuck With You was available to purchase through the week as a digital download, as well as in various physical format, digital digital sorry downloads, combinations through Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber's web store. So things like merch, etc, etc. The sell spike is likely referring to sales on Thursday, May 14th, the final day of the tracking week when signed stuck with you singles were put up for sales in Grande and Bieber's web stores. So the correlation with the spike is through the signed copies, which were allowed for release on that particular day, promoted on that particular day, because it was the last day of streaming to be taken to account for that next week's chart where Justin Bieber and Ariana secured the number one spot so they accounted for everything Scooter Braun called 6ix9ine out as well calling him a coward and all sorts of names um but yeah I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on if you have any on Takashi 6ix9ine um the claims Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, um, merch, because it's a topic for discussion, um, and just all the controversy around the charts this week. Um, what do you guys so, think? <clears throat> I'm just going to say, I'm not going to, although it is Takashi, I'm not going to sit here and defend Billboard. They've created, they've had loads of atrocities when it comes to um, how they categorize music, um, some of their sections as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they meddle with the numbers as well. Although I have no evidence for that, I wouldn't be surprised. Money rules the world, so there's that. What I will say is I wouldn't be surprised if a man like 6ix9ine, who can barely tell that a girl is 13, can fail to understand numbers. Ouch. So I'm not, I'm not surprised about that whatsoever. The thing that annoys me the most about this is I think he is rebranding. And I posted about this book when I was using Twitter like a few weeks ago. So I, th I feel like a lot of people feel like the, the worst thing that 6ix9ine has ever done is um, snitch. And that isn't the truth whatsoever. He was convicted of paedophilia for putting a 13-year-old girl in his video. 
And I do think this is an attempt, um, and this may just be me thinking too deep into it, but it's what it looks like to me. This is an attempt to kind of go off the narrative of him being a snitch, but turning it into a positive light. So the fact he's talking about Billboard at the moment and kind of being seen as the person that wants truth and wants like Billboard to tell the correct numbers for people and stuff like that, it seems very fake to me. I don't think he actually cares really. Like he's third or fourth or whatever. Like I don't think he actually cares. So 6 9 is 6 9 at the end of the day. We, You guys know we don't like this guy. I don't like his music. Even before anything happened and before I read about him, I didn't like his music. It just sounded like a raccoon in like a garbage bin <laughs> to me. So... Yeah, that's all I can really say about that right now. One thing I did find funny was the way that Ariana Grande came like a Caribbean auntie and started talking about you need to humble yourself. Like, I very respect that, and I was low-key triggered. Um, so, yeah, shout-out to uh, shout out to Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber um, for defending themselves, even though they annoy me too. Ariana Grande and their fans, whatever. Like, she annoys me for multiple reasons to do with blackface and all these types of things but that's a discussion that we'll have another day maybe mm-hmm. so yeah that's what i gotta say in a way i kind of have a few thought, a few thoughts but none at all <laughs> so i would just like to first start off by saying that i also i'm in no means trying to defend um six nine mm-hmm. and his skills looking face but I think this whole thing is a case of right message, wrong messenger. Because as much as I don't really know the ins and outs of Billboard and, you know, the way sales are counted in this digital age, especially in the last few years, this isn't the first time there's been they've been called out for inaccuracies surrounding, surrounding how did this song reach the top 10 or how did this album go number one over the other you know, we've, we've had various artists complain about certain things, bundling, Tyler the Creator, well, DJ Khaled over Tyler, Nicki Minaj over everybody. So I wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some form of like a manipulation or facilitation from Scooter Braun's team to make sure, because I can imagine for Scooter as a manager, this song was very important to him because two of his golden children he manages both ariana and, and justin his two golden ch- children finally released a song together which is crap and like this has to go to number one and also we all saw justin this year was really urging and trying to get number one singles this year with those terrible songs put out earlier this year yummy and the one with the beyonce of migos quavo <laughs> and yeah so i i when this came out i was like School is going to do everything in his power to make sure it goes to number one. I just, I knew. So with that last spike in the last day, that also raised eyebrows to me. But it just kind of goes back to how I just don't and I can't take charts seriously anymore because I'm an uncle in spirit, as you all know. But with this single, Ariana and Justin tied Mariah Carey for the most number one debuts. And when I'm seeing that this song got 6,000 sales in one day or five hours because of signed merch and bundles, I'm like, that's not really buying a song. Or because they got over 100 million views on YouTube, like, that's not really akin to purchasing a song or having the best interest to buy a song. I just feel like everything is just so tainted and cheap now. So like when I see these artists are breaking this record with with the first to do this, I'm like, I can't really take it seriously. And even the fact that we're now arguing over not well, not us, but 
of 6ix9ine and Ariana and Justin school arguing over these arbitrary, oh, but these are domestic streams only. We're in the US, blah, 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 blah. All right, Justin, calm down. Mm. It's just like, the you would, I could not even have imagined in the 80s or 90s Whitney arguing with flipping Madonna over a number one single because it would be the facts. Who sold more copies? Who played more on the radio? The end. That's it. You know, and these things which we can't be argued about because it's just facts. But all this stuff about digital downloads, domestic streams, YouTube views in China and Croatia, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's just like, I just can't take it seriously anymore. I just can't. And even the very fact that certain songs are still in the top 10 when they've long past peaked, it's like, because their fans are still streaming it. Like, like I mentioned last week with Nick. Nicki Minaj fans who um, bought 7,000 laptops and streamed Say So Remix <laughs> for 24 hours a day. I just, so that's that. So, but I do think there is some, there probably is some truth to what Takashi is saying and that I wouldn't be surprised that if not just um, um, Ariana and Justin, but other artists have probably, you know, waged deals or conversations with Billboard to kind of make sure that their single or their album because there's been various times. I think even... I don't actually remember the details exactly, but it's even happened when Britney Spears' Blackout came out in 2007. I don't know the full details of that, but you can Google it. There was controversy around that. Her Basically, her album should have gone to number one, but it didn't for some nonsense. <laughs> and, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that, really. Um, I don't care. Um, Ariana, um, this song isn't good anyway, but I appreciate you doing a favor for your good friend, Justin. Justin, I understand he needed this more than you at the moment. And um, you're picking wrong songs to feature on at the moment, sis. Like, yeah. I think that with Billboard and like radio and relationships with artists and labels, I think that's been a long-standing thing, regardless of the era, even in the physical remit. I think there's always been this kind of like, certain artists of favours who could even with the Grammys and like how they're decided as well like we know back event deals happen like we know people are friends of friends so and so works at Billboard so and so is the the head of A&R whatever at Sony they've linked up they've helped each other's deal and it was the same with this kind of Ariana and Justin thing and Scooter Braun because Billboard intentionally posted an article promoting the fact that they had signed copies available on their site of the week of release, which then helped them to garner the 60,000 merch bundle, whatever, which led to them getting number one at the last minute above Doja, 6ix9ine, Megan, and whoever else was on that chart. I think merch, as it pertains to now, is obviously an issue, like in terms of corrupting the charts. I know that Billboard revised some rules in 2018 to kind of say that it has to be a certain amount of money, you have to buy an individual credit card wise, it has to only a certain amount that can be bought under one credit card before it's discounted towards the charts and all of that jazz. But even with the restrictions and all that kind of stuff, it still is corrupt. Like I'm buying a hoodie, I'm not buying your album. Like there's two different things going on here. So it's very all single, whatever it is that comes along with the bundle. But it's a cheap scope way um, of getting number one. I think obviously as Shopee said about the streams and what, what where we're at now and like stands corrupting that and this false sense of kind of like achievement, like there's very much corruption in, in the realm of charting and streaming and all of that going on right now. But I do think in this instance, like the fact that 6ix9ine counted worldwide sales to domestic sales is quite funny. Like at least get the facts right before you go at 
such an institution and not that he cares about being blacklisted because he doesn't he's been to prison all right like he doesn't care about that shit but at least for us to take you seriously like let's look at domestic sales first and then get to that stage and then because billboard only counts for domestic sales except for like their charts that account for international but where we're talking about this chart is domestic um hot 100 is domestic so yeah i think he should have just come with the right facts um but i don't completely trust billboard either because they definitely have direct relationships with eyes they have a job to do they have money to make especially in the media climate now um so they're going to do what they have to do at the end of the day and there's definitely corruption in the music business on multiple levels so not surprising at all i'm just gonna quickly add that um we've spoken about this before just to let listeners know um, so last year or the year before that, I can't remember, DJ Khaled had an issue when um, Tyler, the creator, went to number one. And um, the reason that DJ Khaled didn't go to number one was because um, companies were buying some of the bundles and it was against Billboard's rules. It had to be individual sales. Um, so this isn't something that like, is new, like the, the guidelines around how you get to number one are often contested by a few artists. So this isn't 6 9 bringing something new to light. I want to just say that because no. I don't want people to think that it's 6 9 leading a revolution. That isn't what's happening. This is just another situation where an artist is trying to get their song to number one, but with a further agenda, like I said, with 6 9 So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. No, 100%. And like, even though the industry or like people dislike her and stuff, Nicki Minaj has made this point as well. And you know what, despite her... Going against Travis Scott's, you know, child, like, let's Stormy. That, like, in terms of, like, her actually, in terms of her actually making a point towards Billboard and the Grammys in the past, it's always come to light that she's, in fact, been right in the conversation. So, you know, as Shoppe said, right hat, wrong messenger, right message. I think we should sometimes listen to the messages artists say um, and just maybe do further research, like, you know, just contextualise there. This has been a long-standing thing that's happened. So yeah, I, I just say do your research, look at how Billboard have, you know, done the rules and just, I, I just say don't always take things at face value because we've seen that they, there's always controversy, even with the Grammys, which has quietly gone away trying to deal with their legal lawsuits right now. But um, also, I would say Justin Bieber, it's time, retire, it's time, it's time, we'll be done. Just Wait, who? Go, you need like, to retire? Please. Justin, Justin Bieber, it's over. I don't care how old you are. Go. He's twenty five. Do something you know. else. You know. <laughs> I don't care. Retire. <laughs> like it's done. Like you sound old. You sound washed up. Like you and Justin Timberlake can go. Like both of you, Ariana, do what you gotta do, girl. Like this is your time. Whatever. Ariana, you are on my list of Drake. <laughs> go away. Go. Go away. Like, and I'm a fan of you. I loved your last album. I'm a fan of you. You're talented, but go away. Like, go <laughs> away. You've had two back-to-back hit albums, a very successful tour. You've won a Grammy recently. Stop featuring on people. This Lady Gaga song is shit. The, Be- the Bieber song is shit. You did that song with Charlie Angels last year. Go away. I need you to piss off until 2022. Please, leave <laughs> me alone. Please. Please. Right. Go away. I don't hear from you for the rest of the year. I don't want to see you next year. I don't want to hear from you next year. I want to miss you. And back to Drake once again, 2023. Right. Go away. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got to start a new one. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> All right, one sec. 
Okay, so moving on, guys, like we're on, yeah, very sensitive topic and a topic that is still evolving. Um, this is by no means making an excuse for the artist in question here, but we have to like do our due diligence, especially because like two of us are journalists, etc., etc. We just have to do our due diligence here. But um, in terms of, this is Doja Cat. She trended number one, I believe it was in the US, but definitely a lot of chat in the UK as well. This is after a clip on Tiny Chat, which I've actually seen, can verify that it's a clip of her, um, is on Tiny Chat with what appears to be an alt-right slash incel live chat, as well as her release of a controversial song, which is alleged, uh, it's an unreleased alleged track called Dindu Nothing. Now, if you don't know what Dindu means, it is a derogatory term, mostly referred to black people who are seen as criminal, dumb, etc, etc. It's just a derogatory term. Just to put the background on Doja Cat's background, she is a mixed race woman. So yeah, just to give that context there. But yes, in regards to the incel groups, as I said before, it was tiny chat and incel groups are known to be uh, very much misogynistic, racist, sexist, all the isms. There, they're there. There's loads of threads. There's Doja Cat is over party. There's chat forums. Lipstick Alley had a, a group forum, like forums of like chat threads, essentially like Reddit, but on different websites. They used to be very popular. They still are quite popular. And actually some of them are incel groups themselves. Like, but I'm not saying that Lipstick Alley was, but some forums are like that. But yes, the forum details this Doja Cat history gives us more screenshots of tiny chat and yeah like apparently she apparently apparently she stripped on there for them and all sorts of shit so this conversation is still evolving i hope by next week we'll be able to give you a bit more context here around doja cat um and this particular story if you don't know in the past she has been called out for past tweets in terms of um homophobia in terms of fat phobic in terms of uh yeah there's just a lot she signed to Dr. Boots labels we spoke about last week and yeah that is pretty much it in terms of the controversy I really don't want to get dig too, too deep in case because a lot of it is we're believing accounts here but the video I did see from an account and I can verify that it looks as accurate as you can get via Doja Cat being in a tiny chat now what that tiny chat is about we need to get the scope because it was taken on someone's phone, but it's alleged to be that of an alt-right group that pertains in incel activity. So what do you guys think of this evolving story um, around Doja Cat and Tiny Chat and, and the song, the song which is unreleased, which is on YouTube. Now we, we don't know if it's her, it sounds like her. You know, I'm not trying to, we're not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying this is all alleged right now. So we need to just wait for the iMessage apology, the notes. We need to see what's going on. But what are your thoughts as it stands to the rumours right now? So it doesn't give us a lot of remit because it is an evolving story. Um, but I will say I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. And that's not necessarily a critique on where Doja stands or her personality it's more so with some of the things i've seen by her there's a lot of culture that i recognize in like meme culture in like 4chan and like all of those social media websites and i, I feel like 
it's 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 really hard to navigate this. First and foremost, we need to figure out if it's true, um, and I think it's important that we figure out if it's true so we understand the the breadth of um, how deep into self hate this could possibly be. Because I think, like most people, I think it's fair to say Doja Cat's relation to black culture, a lot of people have put into question for, for numerous reasons. I won't lie, a lot of it does seem to account for the fact that she has a white boyfriend. That seems to be why a lot of people kind of start. Some have mentioned her dad, the relationship with her dad, which is the black side, which apparently abandoned. Yes. So her dad was a famous um, Zimbabwean, I want to say, artist. Yeah. So yeah, there there are a lot of things that are up in the air at the moment. My thing is, I was a bit confused about the whole "didn't do nothing" um, situation because a lot of people were posting, and this has been happening a lot on Twitter um, lately, and it's been annoying me low key. But a lot of people have been posting; they've been posting definitions for some like slang terms from slang dictionary. Is it called slang dictionary? Um, what's it called again? Do you mean urban dictionary? Urban dictionary. Sorry. So a lot of people have been posting like definitions from urban dictionary. And I'm just like, it's not the best source for understanding, like, what the word actually means because it's it's colloquial. It, it it's a it's a word that's used around a community, right? Um. So I was a bit like the people. So I was gone. Yeah. The the sorry, just to jump in really quickly. I'm gonna let you finish. The source actually reported on this today. Um, and they said obviously Dindu is a phrase that is used in alt-right chat rooms. Now, how true that is, don't know, but yeah. No, most definitely, I was about to get into that. So when I first when I first saw it, I was like, people are kind of blowing this out of proportion. Um, like, it's a phrase that I heard, when I first heard it, it was from a vine of a little girl saying, I didn't do nothing. Yeah. Like, it was a little Jamaican girl um, saying, I didn't do nothing um, as a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how I thought she got, that's where I thought she got it from. But I did a bit more research, um, like looking into how it's been used and stuff. And I ended up on Reddit and looking through like some Reddit comments because there was a thread on Reddit saying, um, is the phrase didn't do nothing racist? And it was from 2015. Oh. And I was like, oh, so it does have a bit of a it does have a bit of a history. Like people have used it in a quite derogatory manner. And apparently like some alt-right people and um, some some people that are quite notoriously racist used it particularly around the Mike Brown death. So when Mike Brown was killed, a lot of people were saying that he didn't do anything. And a lot of alt-right people were kind of made fun of that and turned it into didn't do um, nothing. So I found that quite interesting. And I don't know how solid that is as a actual um, source, but considering this is a conversation from 2015 there's obviously a root to the word and if and if the proof is real and Doja Cat was kind of involved in like alt-right communities like tiny chat and like some sections of um, other social medias then she might know what the definition is but in terms of character like we have to go to character for a lot of these accusations and kind of understand if it's a possibility to begin with I'm not surprised whatsoever um, I've been slightly uncomfortable with how Doja Cat interacts with blackness. That's just me personally. And that's part of the reason why when people talk about her music, I don't personally engage with it. <laughs> but I didn't want to sound like um, Dr. Umar when I said these things. Like there, there's some things that I see, I'm just a bit like, mm, I'm not sure she really like embraces the black side of herself, which is her own journey and her own aggressance, which is perfectly fine. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. So we will see if this is true. Maybe like she'll prove us wrong or she'll like say something. I imagine the approach is going to be she won't say anything at all. That's if I was her 
PR. Like I would say, let this ride for a bit. People will forget about it. Um, similar to how she was cancelled probably like a, a year or so ago for some of her comments towards the LGBTQ plus community and people kind of just left that in the background or they forgave her. But yeah, mm. that's what I'm going to say on that. Uh, so on for me, I kind of don't know what to say or even where to start because <laughs> I've literally just been bombarded with so much information regarding this. Like I'm waiting for someone to literally put yeah. all the receipts in one place, basically. <laughs> like I'm literally sick. I'm literally seeing thousands of screenshots, yeah. thousands of random video clips, random tweets, random IG posts. I'm seeing apparently one of these clips are literally from a week ago. I saw that. Because <laughs> the Doja Cat um, haters have done their research and done their homework and pinpoint that she wore a dress six days ago on IG Live. It was the same dress that she was wearing in this tiny chat thing. In regards to whether it's her or not, um, so sorry, in regards to whether that tiny chat think is uh incels or not apparently from the little stuff i've done yeah. apparently it's a, it's a culturally racist platform apparently yeah. like it's like a lot of people who are racist and xenophobic tend to use the platform that's where they gather that's where they commune and yeah. you know they share their anti-blackness their anti-lgbt it looked like there was a black guy in the chat <laughs> yes so so i saw that i saw that too and on, a, on another thread i saw that he purposely was going on there for research to d- expose Doja Cat. So, so as I'm saying, there are various theories and at the moment. So, but like Eden, I, like Eden, I too, I'm shocked, but not surprised. And there is a difference. I think it's, and I retweeted, someone said it like, I don't think any of us are really surprised. I think we're just surprised at how deep she is allegedly in her self-hate. Like it's deep. It's not just ignorance or just a bit of like, oh, I was raised by my white, my white family. Like, this is deep. This is specific. This is intentional. <laughs> like this intentional engagement with these kind, with this kind of rhetoric, with these kind of communities, with these kind of people. But obviously, it's all in the air right now, and I, I just don't know what to say. And I also agree with even like if I was OPR, um, I also would say nothing because there is literally nothing you can say in a press release or a statement that will help you here. Like there's literally, I. I there's literally nothing here. Like, this is bad. Very bad. <laughs> like, this is bad. Like, I even saw one tweet where, from allegedly five years ago, she was at a gas station. She's like, I hate when Arabs are at gas stations. Why don't you go blow up a library instead? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay. And I'm seeing this about apparently her ex-boyfriend's a rape apologist and doesn't believe that rape should be punishable and all this other stuff. And I just, yeah, I... I just don't know what to say. Can I just, can I, I just... read the lyrics to Dindu, please? Because I'm reading it now and I'm just like, with the context, it's interesting. So the song goes, how much nothing can a Dindu do if a Dindu didn't do nothing? Like, how much money can a Dindu make if a Dindu did all the things that you wish to? Like some of the lyrics, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm just like, raw. Like with the added context, I'm just like... This is this is a very interesting story and it might be the Lizzo situation from last year where it's an evolving situation that we keep talking about, but I'm not surprised. Can I just add to what I was saying before also um, with regards to social medias and kind of how I said that um, Doja Cat knows how to navigate the social media space. I also said that because there's something that is very niche 
And I only know about it because I was part of the gaming community. I used to play things like World of Warcraft and um, I was a massive nerd back in the day. I'm pretty sure people won't be surprised by that. But there was this whole thing um, called furry culture. And fur- and I mentioned it on a show before, like I think two episodes ago or something like that. Furry culture is something that is predominantly to do with white nerds where they kind of like, they envision themselves and there's an attraction to like animated animals. Like it's animal humans, kind of like, I can't remember what they're called, but it's like animals, but like with the physiology of humans. And when I saw Doja Cat when she first came out and there was like pig, she had like cat ears and like um, cow ears and all these types of things. I was like, this is very similar to when I used to go to these like anime expos and people used to wear these costumes and all these types of things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I'm going to tell you this now as someone who used to go to these events, it's a very racist, it's a very racist it, it can be a very racist space mm-hmm. and it leads to a lot of social medias like tiny chat like deviant art like i don't know if you guys know what deviant art is De- by the way deviant art isn't a bad site it's the site i used to use for like art and stuff like that it's really cool but the people that were on there yeah there's sections of there that were very dark and this is why i'm not surprised it's not because of her personality it's because she gives off the trail of someone who's into furry culture who's into like she- <laughs> If Doja Cat was on Twitter and she wasn't a celebrity right now, she would be in Raw XD Twitter. And I'm not, I'm, I, that's the best way I can describe it. Like Monster Can, like dyeing their hair red, listening to Paramore when they were like very young and stuff like Like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Slipknot, yeah, no, I'm not surprised by this whatsoever, really. And that goes back to, like, when you said the word dark age, and that's what I feel like. This is like all this stuff that she's doing. Like, there's like, it's like, questions of immorality and wickedness <laughs> and, and evil. It's like, it sounds very, it's like, it's like, it's a different kind of racism, this one. This is like, this is like some KKK 1920s, deep, yeah. dark, like country bumpkin racism. This is what we're getting right now. <laughs> it's like very roguish, very like. Do you know what? I feel like <laughs> this represents that, you know, you just don't know with people. You don't know what's going on in on those computers late at night, in the middle of the day, during even during this time. She she could be, you know, if this is true on Chinese chat right now. Like you just you just don't know. Um, and I think with if this is true, if if half of it even is true and all of that, again, like Eden said, her behaviour traits and stuff. It it she's definitely an internet culture like deep internet cultures subcultures threads all of that kind of even if she's not if it's proven somehow that she wasn't a part of tiny chat she's definitely deep in threads places like she's definitely whether it's stand threads or paying people to do this or do like there's definitely a lineage of her be knowing the internet and you know knowing how it operates and stuff like that and you know even some of the people that are on in the gaming community have said like stuff like people who use Twitch, there are dark sites of Twitch, there are dark offsets of that. And I think that Doja plays that up and knows very much. She studied, she studied, even if it's indirectly, she knows how to navigate that space to operationalize her stands to then buy her music. Like she just, she just knows like that's part of her success even if it's not on the tiny chats that she learned that information from but um i think this a lot of people were like devastated yesterday and like uh like this is so bad like doja cat's over party 
do we not remember who buys music? Who streams the most of hip-hop? Like, are, are we a bit confused? These are white people. Like, they're going to love this. They're going to eat this up. Like, I, I think a lot of people are confused with how consumption works and who actually goes up and buys the most... Just statistically, who buys the uh, premium accounts? Who buys the physicals more? And all that kind of stuff. And that's not to say that black people don't buy physical streams or anything but when we look at the numbers and who does the most of that and even even um we've mentioned it before going to concerts and being shocked by the the audience being so diverse it's because they go up and spend money and like go to these places and like fill out the rooms and help to do all of that so if this does indeed prove to be true and she's negating her blackness which i did reckon i did mention in terms of like her success part of it is colorism you know how she looks is perfect for the success you know um she fits a mold and she's already on the road to crossing over and getting even more of those consumers on board so yes this might be a big scandal yes under the corona she's actually quite lucky that this is not actually post-corona because that would be when events would be booking her up and they may be making the decision to, decision to be like uh we, we want to actually cancel in terms of like that performance booking whatever just because of the negative press but she's actually very lucky that no events are happening except for like virtual stuff and that it's not a physical thing so this could actually in fact blow over by the time you know we finish corona and all of that kind of stuff so I'm intrigued to see where this story goes. Um, on an individual level, I'm not saying not to be offended. All I'm just saying is giving the wider context of people saying, she's definitely finished now. I'm kind of like, mm, the streams will still go up. She's she's fine. Like in terms of the streams, she'll be fine because it's not towards the white audience. Unless there's some self-hating Jew stuff there, then then we can we can have that conversation because, whoa, that, that will be a messy one. But in terms of this, it scares me more than anything in terms of her mentality yes. and her mind and where she's at. Yes. Like, I hope she, she, to be honest, to be honest, really and truly, tr really and truly, like, when I first saw her live, like, early in the day, 2016 times, I was like, okay, she's just playing up a performance here, you know, a bit of fun, you know, Doja knows what she's doing. But, you know, part of me when I watched the lives and even, um, and I've, I've been very vocal about this is her time, Doja's Cat and all that. But when I watch the lives, I'm a bit like, girl, like, are you sure you don't sniff? Because there's something a bit, there's something a bit, Doja does it all, <laughs> I know. Land. There's, there's something a bit of a, there's, there's a cuckoo land kind of <laughs> essence that I'm getting. It's either that. Or you're just genuinely, genuinely a bit. Doshika has fairly odd parents in her head. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and the thing, the thing is, again, we have advocated for mental health. This is not that kind of conversation that we're trying to do. But I'm just saying that she, there's, <laughs> there's, there's just a bit of a weird air that I get around, and I think you know, as we've all spoken about in this podcast, you know, therapy is an option. Like, I'm genuinely being like serious. Like, therapy, especially if you're down to black, like therapy. Um, just some self-awareness, you know, let's look, you know, um, and, and yeah, Doja, just, I hope you find the clarity that you need, genuinely, I hope you, like, well, regardless of what happens, I hope you're okay, whatever grievances you have that have manifested in this format, if this is true, we just need you to resolve that in the background, and then come back for album three, 
and even if you don't have to come back just get your mind back do what you gotta do but yeah this is this is a scary story this is a scary story to say the least so some some recommended reading for um doja cat the autobiography of um Malcolm X. I'm screaming. <laughs> maybe a roots, maybe a roots documentary. Roots, I'm dead. You know what? what we throw in Tony there? Morrison, the bluest eye. <laughs> um. <laughs> some bald James Baldwin. This is some James Baldwin. No, but for real. Wallace honestly. Thurman, the black of the berry. <laughs> oh, that's that's um, a good um, Fear by Osho. Um, <laughs> Web of Lies by Beverly Nado. I can go on. Oh my god. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Um. <laughs> nah, nah, Doja Cat needs to tweet about the, the, the Jill Scott versus Erica Badu Instagram live now. <laughs> yeah, there's some off vibes. There's some off vibes there. Um. Doja Cat needs to go tweet. Doja Cat needs to go tweet their poetry jam. She needs to. <laughs> She needs to go watch that. She needs to rewatch that on YouTube. <laughs> she needs to make a song with Common. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Actually, maybe maybe have a conversation. Is her dad still alive? Maybe a conversation with her dad will help some big. I I um, she needs to have a conversation with someone melanated because Georgia Cat needs to show screenshots of her going to Zimbabwe before this Corona happened. <laughs> um... <laughs> By the way, the reason I think we're laughing at this is because we know she's going to be fine. She will, yeah, she will. Like, at the end of the day, like, nothing's going to change whatsoever. Like, it's going to be a situation where she's cancelled for maybe a day or an hour or something, and then she releases a new song that people like, and they'll interact with it. So it's really not going to be the end of the world for her. Um, all it's- Because I saw someone tweet, I saw someone tweet, actually, I'm still supporting her because she only hates black men. I'm like, um, okay. I, I'm, I'm... I'm this girl said, oh, I'm a black woman, so why should I be offended? Like, because you're black, fucking idiot. <laughs> you're, you're a nigger too. <laughs> <laughs> Agendas will fly. Agendas will fly. I'm dead. You're a dindu. According to her, allegedly, you're a dindu. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but like, no, seriously, guys. Seriously, seriously, though. But this tiny chat, like, I'm scared about the type of people there in the chat. Like, are you gonna kill me? Like, are you gonna kill me? Are you gonna kill me? I'm oh, sorry. They all looked. They all looked dodgy. They looked murky. It just. I'm sorry. It just looked like flipping. What's that sparkly movie that came out a few weeks, a few years ago of Denzel Washington's son? What's the? What's that movie called? Oh shit. Um. Oh, Black Klansman. That's it. Yeah. All the, the white people in that movie, that was vibes I was getting from that tiny chat screenshot. <laughs> because I love the internet, yeah, some of the things that I hear about, like 4chan and um, like the dark web, are things that I just pretend don't exist. Fact. Because when I hear about some of the stories and some of the things that exist out there in the wider world, I'm just like... No. no there's, there, there's a rabbit hole that I can't go down. There's just something I will never engage with because it's another world out there the dark web <laughs> us black people on the dark web yeah it's it's it's, nah. it's, it's, it's over it's over like the things okay. that even even we're using yeah zoom right now the people that could potentially have access right now let me not even get let me let's not even do that because nah. 
Woo! Keep me in my social media bubble. Keep me in my bubble. Twitter is as far as it gets. Instagram live. <laughs> That's it. But no, honestly, scary. Even fans. TikTok is a bit higgy. I can't lie to you. TikTok's fam. Even even no 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 no. Some of the people who are on TikTok, yeah, and we can even talk about Vine, whatever. TikTok Vine, like they were the same. Your crossover people from them realms that we don't want to touch. Okay, like some yep, of you no. are, and the way stands operate, like even this podcast and how we talk about stands, like. There's just, I'm just getting sick even thinking about it, like, because, yo, like, the internet is great information, what we've been able to do, what we're doing right now via the internet, but the internet has gained, given people, well, even chat roulette, like, back in the day, like, you know, funny times, Ooh, funny times on chat, chat roulette, in year eight, joke signs. The shit on chat roulette. What was it called? The Omli, 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 something. Oh, yeah, that's that it, that's one. it. Omli girls. Omegle. Omegle, yeah. It. And chat roulette. Yeah, Bam. Yeah. The things that will pop within five minutes, I'm like, yo, this, this ain't for me. This, this ain't it. Boy. This ain't it. But, yeah, like, Doja, honestly, help. Help time, you know, use that money you just gained to deeply cleanse. Deeply, <laughs> deeply cleanse. We gave her enough information to start a book club on blackness, man. She needs to do something. Like, Fam, giving her options. She could rival Give no name time. with, like, what she's <laughs> doing right now. Doja Cat <laughs> could be a Soquarian. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, no, seriously, though, um, guys. She needs to change her name to Doja. Doja Cat. She her name to Doja Panther now. Truly. Join her daughter, Umar Seminar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, someone, someone I know was on his live yesterday like, from this country. <laughs> anyway, let's not let's we'll, we'll digress off the air. We'll digress off the air. She might have been him. She might have been on it, or he or she might have been on just for laughs. No, no, no. Yeah. She was. There was a good critique actually. It was. It was good, but I was like, hmm, like why? Like who has the time? I mean, we all have the time, but girl, like just just get off that live. Get off that live with that man. But um, let's let's. Oh, this is more bad news. More bad news. But um. Let's move on. So, Lana Del Rey. Okay, Lana Del Rey. This woman, born to die. Yeah, born to die if you don't remember. She's a singer-songwriter. We've spoken about her before. Going after critics. She's back at it again. But this time with more Vim. So, she has hit out at the accusations that she glamorises abuse throughout her whole discography. Um, and her about 10 year long career to date, she posted a lengthy Instagram post um, criticizing female writers and alt right, um, alt singers, sorry, who she says have blamed her minor lyrical exploration detailing her sometimes submissive or passive roles in her relationship for setting women back hundreds of years. Um, she wrote lines like, in reality, I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we are all now seeing, are very prevalent, emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. She said that she's honest and optimistic about um, her challenging relationships. She said, newsflash, that's how it is for many women. So saying the harsh realities of relationship. Um, She's basically named a lot of names in this letter, including the likes of um, Cardi B, 
Kalani, Nicki Minaj, Doja Cat, Beyonce and Ariana Grande um, and obviously the trash bag we all hate, Camila Cabello. Don't even know how she has enough relevance to be in this sentence but okay. And she said uh, lines about them having number one songs, about singing, about being sexy, wearing no clothes, effing, cheating etc. She said, can I go back to singing about being um, embodied feeling beautiful by being in love even if in a relationship is not perfect or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse she said you know the question is for the culture um, whatever that means uh, she said she's fed up um, and yeah that's basically it for that statement the internet then came for her saying that she's being um, divisive, making it a issue for women of colour, particularly because she only mentioned Camilla and um, Ariana, whereas the rest of the list were either um, black or biracial, um, leaning into blackness as well. So that is Lana's first statement, but she was not finished um, with her tirade. So she came back last night to say a couple of final notes on my controversial post that's not controversial at all um, she said that she's received feedback um, whether complimentary or not and she said she wanted to remain firm in her clarity and stance in that she was writing about the importance of self-advocacy for the delicate often dismissed softer female personality there does not have to um that there does sorry have to be room in what will inevitably become the new third wave of feminism feminism by the way we're on the fourth wave of feminism just to say but anyway she said that and she said that essentially it wasn't about race and that we're all making it about it and that it shows more about us and less about her um what that we're racially aware how does that make sense anyway it, it said the fact that we made it about race is says more about us than about her that's what she's alleging <laughs> um, and she said that we're liars <laughs> so Lana Del Rey is a Karen basically is what I'm getting from this yeah I was told by Apple Care exactly that type and she said <laughs> she said my aim and my message are clear that I have control of my own story if the women I mentioned don't want to be associated with me that's absolutely fine by me. Why did you write the letters then? Anyway, um, Lana Del Rey, what do you guys think of this whole Karenism situation going on? Because I'm tired, personally. I personally think it's a very deep topic into how um, people are conditioned to kind of... Um, express love especially black women and I th i'm sorry we have to include black women in this conversation as the focal point um because what yeah. lana del rey is doing at the moment is something called anchoring where she is um putting her position as a white woman as the norm for love for um expression and therefore anything else outside of that is completely incorrect like she's completely ignored the fact that these forms of sensuality and self-acceptance that these women are showing are part of love they're part of self-love they're part of um actually loving someone and kind of appreciating your body like 
a lot of those songs do talk about themes like sex and femininity and all of these things and that shouldn't be an issue um and it shouldn't take away from the fact that there's other conversations to be had i know we've spoken about over sexualization of black women um on this show before and we've spoken about how um there needs to be obviously a revolution to allow women to express themselves more freely in some areas it doesn't always have to be sex all the time but we do need to think about how so like via societies mm. there are some things that only allow black women to make a certain type of music to reach the top of the charts it's society um, it's a wider conversation and all that's happening right now is Lana Del Rey is a white woman who feels like the world owes her much more than her music can actually afford her <laughs> that is an uncomfortable truth like I've in the past I've spoken about Lana Del Rey and how I don't like her music how to me it doesn't really suit the type of music I want to listen to and that's perfectly fine I think it's fine for us to say there are some songs that we don't want to listen to there are some stories like I will say that I have heard other artists talk about those same topics that she's talking about and be successful with them. Mm. Um, Fergie has spoke, has sung about some songs. I believe some of them were about abuse. Um, I think, I don't know if we can count um, if I was a boy as like emotional abuse, but there are some conversations about abuse that Beyonce has um, touched on before. If you think about, what's the song she's known for? Not not that she's known for, but everyone loves her singing at her concert. It begins with an R. It's not, is it? Is it Redemption? Not Redemption. Oh, what's it called again? Where she's talking about a man who's cheating. The lyric is like, because you lied. Or Resentment. Uh, Resentment. Yeah, Resentment. So Resentment's about emotional abuse. It's about a man who's cheated. The whole of Lemonade is about emotional abuse and cheating. Yeah. So this whole comment that it's... That these artists in particular focus around sexuality and sensuality and kind of their body and all these types of things are the main things is a very anti-black comment because it's something that a lot of people attribute to um, rap music, to R&B music, to pop music. And we'll use Miley Cyrus and her comments towards rap music. And um, there was someone else as well, I can't remember who it was, who made comments about rap music being... Oh, it was Post Malone. So Post Malone said something about rap music as well um, with regards to how it treats women and... Um, same with Miley Cyrus which are all valid comments by the way they're all valid comments to make but these are people who operate within those spheres as well they are people that make rap like they've either made rap music or they've they've collaborated with rap uh, with rappers or all of these types of things so I think it's a very dangerous comment to make I don't take it that lightly Um, and I do think it's very unfair to the black women who finally got their chance to be the first four women at the at the top of Billboard collectively, although on different songs. Um, yeah. I think it's very unfair for Lana Del Rey to come out and say this now. So, yeah, I'm not surprised either. Her music's still trash. So, personally, with the Lana Del Rey thing, there's just a few comments that I want to clarify by her, just because I think that she's an idiot, to be quite frank. First and foremost, her line about making uh without songs being sexy wearing no clothes fucking cheating can i please go back to singing about being embodied feeling beautiful by being in love even if the relationship is not perfect or dancing for money um or whatever i want without being crucified or saying that i'm glamorizing abuse what she needs to do is face into her fan base who have been supporting her since 2010 okay Scrap the first album, obviously didn't do much, but let's go to Born to Die, which was released in 2012. It is platinum, two times platinum in certain markets, four times platinum over here, 
four times platinum in another European market, two times platinum in another one, and two times platinum in another two. So you singing or whatever you do about those types of situation is widely regarded and widely successful. Now let's look at your second album, Worldwide Sales 2.9 million. The next album, Honeymoon, Worldwide Sales 1.5 million. Lust for Life, the next project, 1.8 Worldwide Sales and Norman fucking Rockwell did get critical acclaim despite that one that you had a hiccup with last year as well and is gold in the Euro in the UK market. So what she needs to do is go to her fans who lovely as they are whatever support her and continue to buy that music about that. So her acting is if she's an artist by the wayside with no success with not more than four to five top five albums singing about whatever she wants to talk about being the softer feminine figure that she loves to betray herself to be because this is all an image and a perception and an artist a man-made artist image because she was um obviously her original self and then molded into lana del rey later on um she needs to shut up about that number two why wasn't adele mentioned she is the biggest arguably one of the biggest artists in this world doing that so-called music that she's saying oh because of this success why can't I do my success without being criticised? Adele makes that music and gets critiqued both, both positively and negatively. This seemed very loaded. The fact that you included Ariana Grande and Camila Cabello, that was for safe measure, in my personal humble opinion. Um, this was very loaded and laced and towards black women. Number two, or number three, whatever point I'm on, you acted as if you were a pioneer at the bottom of your first statement um, and were like a trendsetter or something about this kind of music. Tina Turner exists, Beyonce exists, many, Keisha Cole exists, Mary J Blige exists, many other black women did this before you and by the way in multiple genres, country, R&B, pop, etc, you name it, loads of women, black, white, but I highlighted black women because you like to brought that up as well, black women pave the way for you to do what you're doing now so you're no pioneer i'm so sorry you're not um of nothing you're singing poetic versions of what they did and they were still poetic in their own way um so that's the next point and number four i'm going to say i'm on number four you're just a karen like you're the biggest example of what a karen is you are racially insensitive which you were in your statement um I personally want this again to be the end of you. It won't because, you know, your audience are predominantly white. Um, and yeah, this is just, this just reeked of I'm drunk and I'm just going to write this now. This is what this reeked of. I'm drunk. I'm jealous. So let me just write this statement because woe is me. I just really received one of the biggest critics in the music business critiquing my work. I'm still hung up about it. Oh, no. So many black women are winning oh woe is me my album maybe isn't being talked about right now even though it was late last year so i'm gonna have a strop about it i just don't get where this statement came from and i don't get what you were trying to say because you're not a pioneer you're not the first to sing about this music and you were successful singing about this music over the last decade so don't get where this is coming from um because you were very much accepted under this quote-unquote third wave of feminism that we're in even though it's the fourth but you're confused in so many different ways and lanes like get yourself together before you make these statements
<laughs> because it makes no sense like none of it makes any sense in my opinion um except for maybe the fact that we need to accept women broadly but you didn't even say that you said yourself because this whole thing is basically about yourself um except for the names that you so conveniently decided to name and yeah ariana and camilla were just named in there for the sake of it you thought who else is successful right now oh ariana don't know why camilla's in there but ariana was definitely for that reason and adele should have been there if you were not being racially insensitive because she's the first big name right now that you think of when you think of relationships and weird relationships and stuff like that so or taylor swift exactly taylor, taylor swift is the face of can't get over a past relationship so literally why was she not in this list as well and why was it why wasn't adele who won that grammy that year over beyonce so what i just don't understand i don't get where you're coming from with this um peak karenism go away you're an idiot like just just go away like fundamentally go away i've never liked your music set for born to die like i've literally not gone back whatever i do here is boring like you are boring you are I don't get how you still sell that much. You are boring very much. And yeah, all these other women names make better music than you, except for Camilla, even Ariana, who I don't really like, even Ariana. But um, yeah, go away. Like you made no sense, no sense. And for that, for the culture, stop. Just because you dated ASAP Rocky does not mean you have access to black. Stop, just, just stop, 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 stop. Do you know what? Not not to not to put on ASAP Rocky but he's dated some really questionable women well he's a he's a questionable nigga so <laughs> like oh he's a he's another idiot he's another one Lana Del Rey and Iggy Azalea I mean while I was in Hollywood you were in the hood like no forget it forget it yeah we're good Chope your thoughts so once again I'm the game is the game I feel like people or maybe will maybe be expecting me to particularly drag her. Off. I don't know why, and I am. It's coming. Um, <laughs> I must say, it, it took me a while to gather my thoughts on this, and they're still kind of. I kind of don't really know what direction to even vault my points from. But I would just like to start off by saying that ultimately she's full of shit. I just want to start that off, just plain and simple. She's full of shit. So this can be kind of a bit of a rant, kind of unorganized, but. Here we go. For her to say oh, no. that we were wrong to for her to assume this was about race. First point, you opened your statement with question for the culture. And you know this, I don't care, you know. The culture is a racialized term at this point. We all know that term is used when we're speaking about black artists, black culture, black television, mm-hmm. black... Tw- uh, you know what the culture means. We don't discuss it with... Katy Perry and Dua Lipa and them other My Little Pony artists. We don't did you, use did it you just say My Little Pony? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so you knew what you were. You know what you were doing when you said for the culture. You were targeting us. You were targeting my community. So don't. And even your implementation of Ariana and Camilla, whether we like it or not, they have a proximity to our culture, to our genres. Ariana especially. Ariana is very much toes the line between R&B as well as pop music. Um, Camilla, or as I call her, Diet Coke, Selena Gomez, she also operates in those spaces. So I'll start off by saying that. So, no, there were some, you were, yeah, racially motivated to make the statement. Secondly, 
for you to talk about how you've been criticized for glamorizing abuse and all that and setting women a hundred back thousands of years this is true you have been criticized for that you know because you very much rely on this 40s 50s americana aesthetic thematically and visually and lyrically and it's kind of something that i actually appreciated about her because i don't know if i say used to be a fan but i loved her first two albums and then for some reason i didn't listen to her anymore for no reason i just kind of stopped listening to her and i did like her last album but um who are you just like you're just obviously very tapped if i'm going to use you know the words of zz mills and back chat you're tapped for you to say that the likes of Beyonce Knowles, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Ariana Grande have not been criticised, vilified by the media, stands in tandem, like they have been stupendously targeted by everyone from many different directions, politicians, parents, charity groups, um, even if we're going to go back to the very beginning. Beyonce, when Deja Vu came out, she got hell for that video for allegedly being too sexual with Jay-Z. And there were literal petitions from the Beehive, let alone the rest of the world, to reshoot the video. So what are you talking about? <laughs> Cardi B, she gets slut-shamed like every day <laughs> for being a stripper, for being um, over sexual hope. So once again, what are you talking about? You've been criticised, Lana? Yes, you have. And you know, I'm sorry to hear that. But... So has every woman you've mentioned in this in this um tweet, except Camilla Cabello because we don't acknowledge her, we don't know what she is, I don't know her, I don't see her, don't know what she's doing with her life. Don't care fundamentally. Don't care about don't care about her. So that's another thought. So that was just also very stupid. You are not the first as well to also be making songs about abuse, and like <laughs> Nick went to Tina Turner. I'm gonna go even further back to the days of Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey, and even Betty Wright, who I mentioned last week, a lot of her songs, and, and to and frequently actually used the word glamorize, Betty Wright, God rest her soul, she did glamorize <laughs> abuse in relationships. Her song was literally called No Pain, No Gain. She was literally endorsing yeah. being in toxic relationships because that's what we need as women. We need a man in our lives. Boy, um, Lana's got shopping in his bag, you know, like... <laughs> He's <laughs> pulling out the Colt 4-5 and everything, like, wrong. <laughs> the respecting legends are screaming. But she's dumb. Literally, she is stupid. Like, do you like, not get lit- it? Literally, do you not get the it? birth of blues music. Like, I could literally go on a tangent about the millions and thousands. Sarah Vaughan. <laughs> I can literally go back decades of artists. Uh, Memphis Mini. Mammy Smith, Alberta Hunter. I, go back, Google these niggas. Google these <laughs> so, like, for you to say that, even country music, country music, a lot of country artists. That's what I'm saying. It's like across genres. Like, is she, is she Dolly Parton? So, like, like this is are you done? This isn't even a case of a race issue. This is just women at large have been critiqued for anything that they do, whether it's in the way they present themselves, what kind of songs they sing about. So that's another thing. So you are also definitely not the pioneer of that. And you are not the first to be using 50s aesthetic. Once again, I'm going to go to my girl Mariah Carey. I still believe video. 1999, Marilyn Monroe. The receipts are there. Respecting legends. Do, that's what she needs to be doing. That's what she needs to do. Respecting legends. Know the receipts. Know your history. And it, I just... So where else do I start? I actually wrote some notes for this, this young lady. Um, this young lady. <laughs> He wasted ink. Man wasted ink. For you to be 
she's talking as if she's a flop. This she's is what talking, I'm saying. She's talking as if she's Ashanti or Sierra post 2007. And Did you really <laughs> have to? Did you? And I'm just... <laughs> Lana Del Rey... Did you actually... <laughs> Lana Del Rey has four number one albums in the UK. She has six top five albums in the US. She's been nominated for seven Grammys, a Golden Globe. And yes, she has been critiqued by people for, you know, her, her aggressive representations of women. But she is by and large a very, very critically acclaimed artist. By and large. Like, you're, you get at least 70 or Metacritic every album you drop. The critics love you. You're a critic's darling. Yes, there's been that Pitchfork journalist. There's been some of the NPR. But in general, the critics love you. The Guardian loves you. The Telegraph loves you. MP- um, you're generally a beloved artist. And you've even been credited for bringing, you know, dark and somberness to pop music. Because I will. I will. So you're not a pioneer for making abusive music. No, you're not. But I will. I will give you credit for kind of popularising dark indie alternative pop but like we would not have lord without you we would not have Billie eilish without you i will give you that credit lana dora has definitely had a massive impact on the fringes of female pop music for sure for sure i'll give you your flowers for that lord and Billie eilish owe a debt to you the weekend in some ways owes a debt to you but you're just full of shit you didn't do your reading you didn't do your googles you didn't go do your research i just and yeah, whether you like it or not. And the thing is, I actually believe she wasn't trying to be racist, but it came off that way. And that's what happens with most white people. They don't maybe t- intend to, but that comes across. Because deep within your psyche, deep within the corners of your mind, there's that, oh, niggers, 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 get those niggers out of the way. <laughs> that's in your spirit. It was on your heart. It's been on her soul for years. Personally. So, um, that's all I have to say. And Oh, oh sorry, one last thing. If there's a space for me in feminism, bitch, you are the face of feminism. You're a white woman. You are the face of feminism. There's a reason why we, we, um, our ancestors, um, Alice Walker, Patricia Hill Collins, Kimberly Crenshaw had to create womanism and black feminism and sexual feminism because of your ancestors, because of the Jackies in your life, because of the, the Taylors in your life, because of the Annas and the Sue Anns and the Peggy Sues in your life did not include women of colour, black women, in their feminism. You are the face of that feminism. So hush, be quiet, read a book. The I'm, end. I'm so sorry, guys. I was literally dying <laughs> during that whole thing. Because Sierra was really minding her business, <laughs> doing her TikTok videos with Russell. <laughs> and Shai decided to pull out 2007. Like, for no reason. <laughs> Oh, man. But no, like, I do agree with everything um, Shopee and Nick said. I think the one thing that I will say is when Shopee said she didn't intend to be racist, like, I slightly disagree with that because racism in itself isn't always an intention. It's 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 the um, embrace of the current state of affairs. And when it comes to things like love and femininity, in especially... Um, which are very gender specific and kind of the focus of race a lot of the times. Black women aren't allowed to be anything other than an emulation of white women when it comes to um, how they express themselves. Like if there's anything that is related to body types and all these types of things, the original image for what was beautiful was related to white women. 
and a lot of the natural bodies that black women had were kind of seen as ugly as seen as unnatural and all these types of things which are the bodies that we're seeing people um try to emulate today which is fairly interesting and it's it's just like lana del rey interestingly enough because she does cast back to the 40s in most of her videos it's interesting that that's the era she focuses on because that was an era that had loads of issues when it came to feminism, when it came to black women trying to um, get a more prominent voice in a lot of the politics to do with their gender and their race to like the dual duality between both of that was a massive issue and still is to this day. So like Nick and Shoppe, I'm astounded that Lana felt the need to say this. Maybe there's more going on. Maybe there's a pressure from somewhere that's making her say this. But I also hate the fact that we always try to contextualize white tears when it happens. We always try to make the fact that a white woman's up upset the focus of the main issue when it isn't like the the issue that she's upset isn't the thing that we should worry about. You should be able to be upset without dragging down black women at as a result of that anger or that frustration. There was no need for you to focus in on four women uh, specifically. I'm going to keep saying the four women because I feel like it was basically centered around them. And that's Doja, um, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce and um, who's the other one? Sorry, I've forgotten someone. So Beyonce, Nicki Minaj. Cardi B, Kalani. Cardi B, yeah. So focusing on those lot in particular, you chose a very interesting time to do that. And I just think you could have done it at any other point during when they weren't at the top of Billboard, but you decided to do it now. And that says a lot about your character. So saying that, I'm not surprised. It's another episode of not being surprised at people doing things that is within their character. So... That's all I've got to say, really. Does anyone else have anything to say? I have one last point. For those of you who were saying that Lana made sense without naming those women, you're also stupid. Her point makes no sense. She had no weight in that post. Everything she said was dumb. Everything she said was, uh, wasn't informed. It wasn't researched. With or without her naming those women, it doesn't make sense. The end. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. But I think what we, I think what we also forget is a lot of people have short memories. Like the some of the people you were naming and some of their experiences. Mary J. Blige. <laughs> Mary J. Blige is a contemporary. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you guys talk, I need to just read the line. I really just need to read. I need it to hit home because she said this. Okay, but I also feel it really paved the way for other women to stop putting on a happy face and to just be able to say whatever the hell they wanted to in their music. Now let's go to Mary J. Blige's most recent albums they all talk about not putting on a happy face somewhere in the lyrics okay so we need lana to do some research okay adele even her white sister you know has the same thing on her last album she's an idiot she is an idiot okay i don't know if the crack is too what? strong i don't know what it is but you i don't know if your ears are your deaf dumb i don't know what's going on but you need to go to your contemporaries because the people who are still active, still present, still here, are singing about not putting on a happy face. So what pioneering that says is quiet. So you're an idiot. You are an idiot. Stop sniffing. Like I said before earlier this episode, <laughs> people need to stop sniffing and get with the facts because... You're an idiot. Fantasia did not sing through yourself for you to come up with this bullshit. Oh, we know she ain't listening to no Fantasia. We know she's saying that's too niggerish for me. That's too cultured. That is too full of a culture for me. Tamir was not singing Stranger in my house for you to sing this Wait. to say this bullshit. Faith Evans was not out here singing her ass off about Biggie cheating on her for you to be doing this nonsense. 
But the thing is, she can have a short memory all she wants. People in her phone book are doing what she does before her. People in her phone book, I can guarantee there's one contact that's been doing it before her. So she needs to get it together. She should have sent that to the group chat if she has one, <laughs> if she's liked enough. With her with her ASAP and Harvey Weinstein. You know, people, you know, come on. Even one Karen would have been like, oh, Adele does that though. Adele, Adele does that. So don't know about that line. So none of it made sense. As Chope said, don't know what part of the people, the, the culture thought it made sense. But no, it, none of it made sense at all. Cool. I'm going to stop it there for the sake of time. There was one more topic I wanted to talk about, but we won't today. So, guys, that's the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening. We are Don't Alert the Stands, and if this is the first time you've listened to us, we are a music podcast with a, a key focus on stand culture. I am Eats McKenzie. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, basically any social media platform under that name. You've also got I am Tyrell and Shope Showerton, and collectively, we are Don't Alert the Stands, D-A-T-S-P-O-D, Instagram, Twitter, you can find us anywhere. Um, So thank you very much for listening and enjoy the bank holiday as well.